Hello and welcome to the West Connect podcast where we help ensure that student athletes are successful on and off the field. Today I'm excited to have Maggie Feldman Pilch um, in the spirit of of the <laughs> inclusive Wesleyan community. Um, maybe not uh, part of a, a varsity team per se, but still very much part of the community at Wesleyan and has gone on to do some really interesting things. So I'm excited to have her. Maggie, thank you for joining us. I'm thrilled to be here. And we're, we're also joined, of course, since it is um, the pandemic, uh, by my dog. And so she may, you may hear her in the background. She apologizes in advance. She's also very, very proud of her Wesleyan heritage. Oh, that's, that's very exciting. <laughs> What's the dog's name? So her name is Ziva and okay. she's a 70 pound pit bull terrier. Um, and she is about as hardy um, as you would not at all expect. Got it. Good. Well, Ziva, thank you for joining us and look forward to your contributions to the conversation. Maggie, maybe uh, start us off with um, a little bit of a background on yourself, how you found yourself at Wesleyan and what your engagement was like once you were on campus. Yeah. Um, and I love that I don't have to explain that I went to Wesleyan because obviously that's the pretext of the conversation. Um, so how did I find myself at Wesleyan? Great question. Um, I stopped at Wesleyan, um, kind of impromptu college visit, driving home from seeing family in Boston. Um, and I saw a, a black squirrel, <laughs> um, if we're, I'm being totally honest, um, which are somewhat common um, in Bucks County, Pennsylvania, where I'm from. And I had thought at the time that black squirrels were just only in Bucks County, Pennsylvania. Um, and so I was like, oh my God, it's a sign. I'm supposed to go here. Um, so that's what got me out of the car. Um, what kept me was the bulletin boards um, and the course catalog. Um, and looking at both of them as I was walking around, there were no tours that day. Um, and I just realized that I wanted to take everything and do everything and everybody seemed so cool. Um, and then I, I think, you know, a student saw me in Usedan um, and asked me if I was lost. And then I was like, I belong here. Um, so that's how I, I fell in love with Wesleyan. Um, I think a little bit to my parents' dismay just because there wasn't a whole lot of logic there, right? There is not, <laughs> um, a, a squirrel is not a reason to say, this is where I'm going to college. Um, alas, it's the honest truth. Um, and I applied early because there was nowhere else that I looked at that I got that feeling at, right? So I, I didn't really have a plan B. I applied to probably two dozen schools um, and really, again, did not have a plan B um, and felt pretty certain that as soon as I got to campus, um, I, I was never somebody who wanted to say, hey, college is the best years of my life. Um, but I knew that I wanted to make every single second worth being there. Um, so I found a way to get involved in just about everything. Uh, does that answer your question? Uh, kind of. <laughs> so <laughs> when you talk about involved with everything, could you give us a little bit more detail sure, yeah. in exactly the organization? It's a bit longer than I realized, right? Because um, time is totally relative. So um, when, when I was a first year, I lived in 200 Church, which is uh, the social justice house, right? Um, 
and I got involved in the Jewish community, got involved in the music scene. Um, and I also, I guess, which is why we're having this conversation, started the cheerleading squad. <laughs> Sorry, started the cheerleading squad, which I think still exists today. It, it, Instagram tells me so. <laughs> so it, it um, must be true. And we, we talked about this a little bit on the pre-call. I don't want to date myself, but I'm old. And when I was there, we had a very robust queer leader program yeah. in place, which I thought was just phenomenal and a ton of fun and yeah, so something, something to celebrate. Say, but that, I guess, had gone away at some point. I think so. Um, I think so. But I would say that um, the cheerleaders in my day and um, what I've heard about is, you know, the historic queer leaders had a lot in common. <laughs> I don't know if that's still true, again, because neither of us are still students, right? Much to our own dismay. Um, but it's Wesleyan, right? So I was also a university major, which means um, somehow at a school that <laughs> really requires so little of you, <laughs> um, I needed even more freedom. Um, so the fact that I started a cheerleading squad is not a huge surprise, but it's still Wesleyan, right? So the idea was, um, it was open to anybody regardless of, of previous experience. Um, and we cheered at everything. We cheered at finals, we cheered at concerts, we cheered at shows, we cheered at games. Um, and over the course of the few years that I was there, um, you know, we ended up doing halftime shows at the, at the football games, a few at basketball games. Um, it was a good time. That's what I would rack it up as. Um, <laughs> that's fair. That's yeah. Fair. That's fair. Um, well, that's great. I mean, you obviously were very involved on campus um, with a number of different things, but maybe talk through kind of, and, and I did this recently with somebody else. Um, if you were to give yourself, your freshman self, advice about how to spend your time at school in terms of extracurriculars or, or being engaged in different um, events or communities, what would those pieces of advice be? So I guess if I was truly giving it to myself, right, um, I would say I, I wouldn't change anything about my time at Wesleyan, the good and the bad, right? Um, truly, it, it, it was not the best four years of my life because I haven't hit that time yet. I don't, I hopefully none of us have. Um, but it was exactly the right place for me. Um, and I think a big part of that was because I, I showed up at Wesleyan much like many other Wesleyan students with a pretty decent idea of who I was. Maybe not the details, right? But um, I was an island onto myself in high school in the best and worst ways. And I knew <clears throat> that... Wesleyan was going to be what I made it, right? Um, so I didn't wait for anybody to invite me <laughs> to be in their club. And when I couldn't find a club, I just made a club. Um, and I think that's the great part about Wesleyan, right? And so I guess <coughs> um, that's what I would say to myself now in retrospect and what I would say to any first year, right? Is is the Fleetwood Mac song, Go Your Own Way, um, is a great anthem and you should do exactly that. Like go your own way, find your way and find your people because the best part of Wesleyan is that ultimately sort of like a lot of loners loaning together. I don't know if you felt that <laughs> when you were a student, um, but that's, that's often how I described it. And um, it made me a better person for it. 
Yeah, I, I would completely agree. I think we've talked about this a lot on the, on these interviews. You know, my, my wife went to Wesley, my brother went there. And the cool thing about, I think one of the most exciting things about the, the school and the community within the alumni group is when you meet somebody, it could be at an airport or a bar or doesn't really matter where. And you, you say, oh, well, I went to Wesleyan and it's just like, boom, you have this oh, instant absolutely. connectivity. You have this concept of who this type of person is and, and how they view the world, um, not from a political sense, but more from a, hey, this person's probably doing some interesting things and has a cool background. I want to talk about them and learn about what they're doing because it's probably a little bit different than the norm, which makes things exciting and adds to that kind of... Um, robustness of life uh, in many ways. So yeah, I think that's totally true. I mean, one of the first things I did when I, I live in Washington, DC now, um, and one of the very first things I did when I got here was go on West Connect, right? And I just started reaching out to random Wesleyan alums. Um, and I would say, you're totally right, like accidental Wesleyan connections are the best. Um, and we can talk a little bit about this, how that has played into my career in some um, unexpected and pretty joyful ways. But I would also say that some of the people that I reached out to when I first moved here um, are some of my closest friends. And we graduated across decades, right? There's, I'm thinking of a, a friend of mine in particular, Mark, he and his wife, Amber, they, they are here in DC and we met, um, really because I just looked him up on West Connect and we met for coffee um, and you know our my partner and I and, and his partner and him like we're the four of us are very very close <laughs> even in the pandemic um, and we're maybe like I don't know 20 years apart graduation wise um, but like we go out to dinner, we go out to bar, right? It's like you just have, there's there's almost a cult-like feel to it, but true, like not in a creepy way, only in a good way, right? <laughs> right, not in a creepy way. Um, Definitely not creepy, not creepy at all. <laughs> so let's transition to a little bit about kind of what happened after you graduated from school. You have an incredible journey, but bef before we get into what you're doing now, which is super interesting, maybe talk about the thought process and the the um, the road you took to find yourself at graduate school. Oh yeah, man. Okay, so when I was in my last year at Wesleyan, as I mentioned, I was a university major, and I had such a plan, man. I mean, like really very clear. I was like, okay, I am going to write my thesis. I'm going to simultaneously apply to um, graduate school. I'm going to go to business school. I'm going to be one of, you know, the exceptional young people who, who get into a top business school directly from undergrad. And I'm going to study uh, corporate social responsibility. And I'm going to work in luxury consumer goods. Um, newsflash, none of those things happened. Um, a little bit was fate and a lot of it was waiting, right? And and um, I'm not someone who likes to, strategic patience is not my strong suit. <laughs> um, and I like to think, as I've mentioned, that I know myself pretty well. So the idea of changing my mind is like, no, someone else can change their mind. I'll never change mine. Um, alas, that's not how life happens. Um, so in my senior year, <clears throat> um, one second, I'm gonna grab water really quick.
sorry, we just moved, as I think I mentioned, and there's dust everywhere. It's great. Um, <laughs> cool. So um, in my senior year, actually, I can tell you exactly what day it was because thanks to Mean Girls, um, those of us of a certain age, I'll remember October 3rd. Um, so October 4th, <laughs> um, I blacked out on my way to class, not even like for a fun reason, not that there's ever a fun reason to black out, but I passed out on home Ave. Um, and hit my head on the sidewalk and ended up with like a pretty significant concussion. Um, and it totally changed the rest of my senior year, right? It became about kind of keeping my shit together if I can be so blunt. Um, and there was no way I was going to write an, a successful senior thesis as a university major and also apply to business school. Um, and my university major uh, advisor is a professor named Richie Edelstein. Um, for those who had the opportunity to learn from him know that he is one of the most brilliant, uh, most interesting human beings on the planet. And he is, he's a, he's a tough cookie. <laughs> Um, so my, my business school dreams were put temporarily on hold. Um, and I did sort of the thing that you're not supposed to do when you have a concussion, which is, uh, watched a lot of TV. Um, so I watched the entirety of the West Wing while writing my senior thesis. Um, and I don't know if it was because I just loved the show so much, if it was because of all of the kind of hidden and not so hidden Wesleyan references, um, or if it was the concussion, but I got into my head that I should move to Washington DC and I should become um, a, a modern day real life Leo McGarry. Leo McGarry um, is a character played by uh, an, a guy named John Spencer, who's been dead for quite a while. Um, and he plays the chief of staff to the president. And I was like, all right, cool. I'm going to move to Washington. Um, and so that's what I did um, about 48 hours, maybe 36 hours after uh, finishing Wesley and I moved to Washington DC with pretty much no plan, but I did bring my pet hedgehog matzo ball with me, um, who I'm sorry to all of res life who just, you know, yes, it's true. I had an illegal pet on campus. I'm sorry. Uh, it was worth every, every second of chaos though. Um, so I moved to DC and I started, um, as an intern at, uh, a think tank called American Security Project, um, where I worked on diplomacy and development, international development. Mind you, I took truly zero government classes in all of undergrad um, and had a bunch of really cool experiences, which we can get into. I won't make this just a giant wall of text. Um, and then like reached a point where my mentors and bosses and sponsors were like, unless you would like to be someone's executive assistant for the rest of your life, which if you do, that's fine. Um, you need to go to graduate school. And so I went to graduate school <laughs> um, and it was much like Wesleyan, absolutely the right decision for me. Um, I finished with a master's in security studies from Georgetown School of Foreign Service. Um, so you can ask me whatever you'd like to ask me to, to elaborate on that, but I figure I should like at least break up me talking, right? <laughs> yeah, no, I mean, I think Oftentimes for, for students, um, they sometimes rush to graduate school. I had a call today with somebody, a, a Wesleyan recent graduate who is like desperate to go to law school. And I asked him, okay, well, what are the three main reasons you want to go? And he said, well, 
let me get back to you. <laughs> so I think having some real life experience and there's a reason to your earlier point about being that special golden child that gets right in an MBA program. There's a reason that the typical time yeah. is one to three years before you go, because there is a, <laughs> there's a lot you learn from being in the quote unquote mm -hmm. real world before you go back to school. Yeah. And I think oftentimes yeah. students are in a rush to get going where you actually go farther if you just take a little bit more time. Absolutely. And I think like, you know, I, I like to believe that I'm going to find my way regardless of, of the path that I take to get there. Um, but I most certainly do not have an MBA, right? I, at least not at this juncture in time. <laughs> um, if I get one down the road, who knows? Anything could happen. Um, but I do not currently have one. And I would say that um, I would be leading a very different life um, if I had for a number of reasons, right? Because the field that I'm in is um, highly professionalized, at least historically. Um, and it just, it wild is the only word <laughs> I can come up with, right? Like I would just be a completely different human being. Um, and my work is so much a part of my life um, that I can't even imagine what my life would be like um, if it wasn't like this, if that makes sense. It makes the most sense as anything does what we do right. <laughs> with okay. our time. Well, so yeah. if maybe it'd be helpful to spend a little time on exactly what the graduate program looked like, if somebody listening was interested in pursuing it, um, yeah. you know, what was like, that experience was like? And yeah, exactly. That was a great question. So a little bit of context, I mentioned I went to Georgetown School of Foreign Service. Um, which is in fact at Georgetown University. Um, it is a separate university or college within the institution, i.e. It, it has its own um, application, right? Which is pretty common um, for graduate school um, that different schools, different specialties, you, it's, not like, it's not like applying on the Common App, right? I think that's something that if you um, didn't grow up around a bunch of people that you know, have graduate degrees, uh, you don't know that. <laughs> so there's not a common application for graduate school, um, which means that you really have to know, well, ideally, you really have to know what it is you're applying for because each application is separate. Um, so within the School of Foreign Service, there are a number of graduate programs. Uh, the two that it, that the School of Foreign Service are, are most well known for um, are the MSFS, the Masters of Science in Foreign Service, um, and the program I did, the MA in SSP, so the Masters of Arts and Security Studies program. Um, there are a number of other regional programs um, and people who go to, but we'll just focus for the sake of this conversation um, on those two kind of quote flagship programs. Um, the MSFS, so the Masters of Science, it's not really a Masters of Science. It just, it got that name when they made the degree and they're pretty emotionally attached. So they keep it. Um, and that's not even me being snarky. That's literally why they, they tell you that's why it's still called the Masters of Science. Um, a lot of people who go to that program go on to become foreign service officers. So diplomats, um, people that work at the State Department, they work in international development. Many also may end up in the private sector and international business. The security studies program, the one that I um, attended and graduated from um, up until a few years ago was uh, actually physically housed within the Pentagon. Um, and it is much 
more focused on national security, defense, intelligence. So there are many, many active duty and former, but especially active duty uh, military officers. There are people that work in the intelligence community. There are people that are contractors. There are some State Department people. There are lots of federal law enforcement people. Um, but it is, it, funnily enough, it, it actually sometimes gets called the MBA um, of Washington, D.C. because it's a really practical degree, right? It's people don't tend to go on to get a PhD. Um, it is for people who want to work in the Pentagon, want to work in the intelligence community, work on Capitol Hill, maybe elsewhere in the executive branch, um, also uh, in the private sector, but, but are really focused on defense, national security, intelligence, um, as opposed to diplomacy, right? The work of the State Department, which again is MSFS. Um, that's a real specific thing to get a master's in, right? Like you have to really, really know <laughs> what you're doing because um, first of all, it's expensive, both in financially and temporally, right? It's, it's a lot of time and energy. Um, and again, it's highly specialized. So there are a number of international affairs programs all over the world um, that you can get a master's in international relations or international affairs. And there are a number right here in DC. International affairs and security studies are related, but they are not the same. Security studies is uh, quite a bit more specific. Does that make sense? I'm like, it's been a little while, I realize, since I've explained this to someone who doesn't you know, have these flashcards. So this is good practice. Yeah, I, I think I think that the takeaway is, is not so much the nitty gritty of the program itself, but more in, instinctually, if, if somebody were considering a path, a career path towards any of the groups that you mentioned, the Pentagon or, or the West Wing, et cetera, just knowing that, that this program is out there, that it is an option they should pursue, but these are the questions that they should ask themselves before committing oh, yeah. to that type of, and, and I think you kind of did a good job of fleshing that out. Yeah. And I would say, look, like the little Wesleyan connection here is that SSP, um, wasn't on my radar originally. I actually went to an information session for the Master of, of Science and Foreign Service. Um, at the time I was working as the chief of staff to about 115, 120 retired three and four star military generals and admirals, um, which if you're like, but you went to Wesleyan, it, like, no, it's exactly, like it is exactly as chaotic as your brain is going to right now. It's 100,000% that way. Um, and for those that don't know, I'm sure that there will be a picture of me somewhere near this. I have bright violet and fuchsia hair. Yes, I had violet and fuchsia hair at the time. Um, so again, exactly as chaotic as you um, imagine it to be. And I went to an information session for MSFS um, and I didn't like the vibe. Um, it, I, I was the only person in the information session, so. <laughs> um, and it's an incredibly competitive program to get into, but I remember listening to the admissions officer um, and they were asking me, what was my class rank in undergrad? And I was like, I have not the slightest effing idea, right? I can't tell you what my GPA was at Wesleyan. I can't tell you what any of my grades were because I honestly didn't care while I was there and I don't care now. And it's not really what matters in the world. Um, and this admissions officer was explaining to me that, you know, they rank all of the students and that um, need or aid, excuse me, was not determined by need, but by class rank. So the higher you were compared to your fellow students, the less your degree was going to cost you. 
And moreover, the program was full-time and they did not encourage you to truly have a full-time job or, or fellowship or internship while in the program. And immediately in that moment, I knew it wasn't for me because I loved my job, really, really loved my job. I was getting to do amazing things that I had no business doing um, and I didn't want to walk away from. So I knew that MSFS wasn't the right thing for me, but I didn't know <laughs> what else was out there. Um, so one of the retired officers I was working for at the time uh, was on a, an advisory board at the State Department. And one of the other people on the advisory board was a gentleman named Ambassador Bob Gallucci. Um, and he used to be the Dean of the School of Foreign Service. And he is a really, really nice guy. Um, and he offered essentially to have lunch with me. And the reason he offered to have lunch with me is because way before he was an ambassador, his first ever special assistant um, was a guy named Nick Rasmussen, um, who is a Wesleyan alum and has gone on to do incredible things. Um, and Ambassador Gallucci was so impressed with, you know, early career Nick, um, that he made a mental note to himself that anytime there was a young Wesleyan alum that he had the opportunity to meet, he would always take that meeting. Um, and so at the time I hadn't met Nick Rasmussen and Bob Gallucci knew nothing about me except that I had purple hair and was trying to figure out what to do with my life and I went to Wesleyan. And that was enough um, that he agreed to have lunch with me. Um, and about five minutes into the conversation, he interrupted me and said, anyone who told you that you should have been looking at MSFS uh, is absolutely incorrect. And you are the poster child for the security studies program. Um, and he was right. Um, and he ended up becoming my professor and is still a mentor to this day. So he didn't even go to Wesleyan, right? <laughs> but the Wesleyan connection is strong enough. Yeah, then serendipitous meetings sometimes turn into pivotal moments of your life. Yes, absolutely, um, absolutely. So let's transition a little bit into, you know, through the program, graduate school, and what is it that you're doing today? Um, what does the organization look like? And what is the day-to-day -day functionality of your, of your uh, work look like? Those are great questions. Um, so as I mentioned in, pass in passing, one of the reasons I didn't want to look at the other program is because I wanted to be able to work uh, while I was in school. And so um, I started out, you know, keeping the job I had um, and got to do some really cool stuff like uh, take a group of retired senior military guys, uh, truly all guys, uh, to Havana, Cuba to meet with the Cuban government, um, which I was like, this is wild and I love it. Um, right. So it's just like a lot of crazy, silly things. Um, and I loved every second of it. And I loved being back in school. And school also reminded me that I was surrounded all day, every day by old white guys, lovely old white guys, but old white guys. Um, and it had been a really long time. It'd been a few years since I'd been around anyone my own age. Um, let alone any women or women of color. And um, the world looks different when you're not a retired three or four star, you know, from the army or the Navy and the Marine Corps, right? Like how we experience the world is different, especially when you're talking about national security and defense. Um, and so I started um, a Google group listserv actually. 
um, unintentionally so. I was looking for some mentorship, a formal mentorship program that I could get into as a woman who was not currently in government, didn't really know what she wanted to do, but knew that she did not want to be um, in international development or research at academia, any of those things. Um, so I started reaching out to a lot of nonprofits that work with women in foreign policy and kind of saying like, hey, I'm not really sure what I want to do, but here's all the things I don't want to do. Does anyone know of any programs I would qualify for? And over the course of a couple of weeks, um, about 200 women wrote back to me and said like, I have not the slightest idea if such a program exists, but if you find one, please let me know because I am also interested. Um, and so I realized we we're probably not going to find one. Um, so I took all of them, all of their emails <laughs> and put them into a Google group and was like, listen, guys, uh, it's just out here. It's just us. There's nothing that we have each other and we're going to figure it out. Um, for context, this is right around the same time that Hamilton, the musical came out. Uh, <laughs> and uh, the listserv just started to grow, um, I guess is a cool, calm and collected way to explain it. The listserv um, is now known as NatSec Girl Squad. Um, and we work with, on average, about 40,000 people each month focused on building competent diversity in national security and defense. Um, so we're having this conversation in December of 2020. Um, and just last week, we held our third annual conference. Obviously, because of COVID, we are virtual. Um, and since you all know what my background is, um, you, you did not hear me mention anything about tech. Um, but over the last nine-ish months, um, we built an app. <laughs> we built a platform that we held our whole conference on for four days last week, actually, um, so that people could securely, privately communicate with one another. And we had 600 people and 200 speakers over four days from federal government, from industry, from academia. Um, and it is sort of like summer camp um, for nerds. <laughs> <laughs> So that's sort of what I do um, and, and what the company does. Um, and we're trying to change the world a little bit and maybe have some fun in the process. Well, that's admirable. And I love hearing stories about how people could match their professional acumen and the rigor that they had in school with a passion that they've, they've found and create some kind of purpose-driven business professional career, which sounds like you have. So kudos to you. It's not Thanks. easy. It takes a lot of work. And yeah, it seems like a, yeah, it seems like a sublime state of being for a lot of people. Um, if you could, uh, while we were wrapping things up here, if, if students uh, or, or recent alums um, yeah. are listening and they're interested in getting involved with national security or working in some kind of quasi-governmental agency or organization, yeah. any words of wisdom or piece of advice that you would give to them of things that they can do to help kind of move along that path? Yeah. So, I mean, shameless plug for myself. Um, there, there is always time in the day for Wesleyan alums, always. Um, and there are a number of us down here. Uh, so the conference I mentioned um, last week 
So Nick Rasmussen, um, who grew up to become the uh, director of the National Counterterrorism Center, um, so a really, really senior member of the intelligence community, uh, he spoke. Um, he he was so at our conference since it's called Matt Girl Squad. Men are only allowed to moderate, um, so he moderated and served as a mentor. Um, Kenny Rios, who's another West alum, I think class of '98, um, runs the diversity um, and inclusion uh, recruitment efforts for the National Geospatial uh, Intelligence Agency. So just like the Career Center and everybody else tells you to rely on your Wesleyan family, rely on your Wesleyan family. We're out here. So I told you we were going to get Ziva in the background, honey. I know. <laughs> I know. It's very exciting. Um, so for sure, reach out to me, reach out to any of us. Um, and then I would say, you know, be humble. Um, there is no job too small, right? One of the things that um, has served me well in life and most certainly in Washington um, and is something I, I for sure learned from my family, was reinforced at Wesleyan and absolutely and in, in my, you know, really early bosses. Um, there's no reason you can't learn to make coffee. And by that, I mean, I, I remember this, there's a one of my bosses who used to be the inspector general of the Marine Corps, he would get into the office every morning and he would make the coffee and he would ask the interns if they wanted coffee, right? Like this is a retired senior leader of the Marine Corps who, who's like asking a 19 year old, you know, can I pour you some coffee? Um, and I think it really shows you a lot about servant leadership um, and there's never enough of that to go around, but there is no job too small that it's not worth doing and certainly not worth doing right. There is so much emphasis on, and, and this is everywhere, but I see it particularly in Washington, right? Of how important can I pretend to be? Um, how, how much can I prove that I know? Or how much can I hide that I don't know? Um, and life is too short and there's much too much to do. <laughs> um, so I found that if you just roll up your sleeves and work hard and are good to other people, if you, you know, kind of practice what I call intentional kindness, it'll get you pretty far. I am not the smartest person in the room by any means. Um, I work a lot harder than most people because I'm not the smartest person in the room and I'm okay with that. It's also my energy level. Um, and there are people who look at me and, and are like, you've built now that girl squad and there are a number of other things that I've gotten involved in that, you know, the number of years I've been alive on this planet don't match. Um, and it's not because I'm special. It's just because when someone said, I need help, I said, okay. Right. Or sometimes don't even wait for someone to tell you they need help. Just raise your own damn hand. Um, and I think, as cool and, and everything else as national security and defense is, because it is really damn cool, right? I, I got to go to Munich, Germany and be the youngest ever participant in the Munich Security Conference, which was just straight up stupid. Um, it was a great time, but like really, really dumb. Um, very silly. Like, it's just because I annoyed them enough on the internet for years. I was like, so you, you have to let me come. You have to let me. And like for years, and they finally just did. Um, so persistence and just work hard. Like there's room for everybody at the table and we need everybody. And 
it might seem cool and glamorous and all of those things. And there are moments of that, but at the end of the day, it's servant leadership. And if that's not what gets you out of bed in the morning, please find a different line of work. Oh, for the love of God, consider politics, maybe like run for something. <laughs> it's not a good ego boost. Let me tell you that. Right. Cause like a good day at the office for us is like, we don't exist. Right. So like, keep that in mind and be honest about what's important to you, right? Like if you need a lot of public positive reinforcement, this is not for you. Yeah, I think a lot of what we're trying to do is help people understand, take some time in your twenties to figure out what you don't want to do, <laughs> because the last thing you want to do is look back 20, 30 years of your career and realize this has not been empowering for me. I've not made a lasting impact in my profession or, or enjoyed my life. And um, yeah. there are certainly some things that you can do that, that can change that course uh, pattern. Um, well, Maggie, thank you so much for the time. I really yeah. appreciate you telling the story. And, um, and it's, I, I always ask, but is it okay if somebody listening um, yeah. is interested in, in pursuing a similar yeah. career path or just wants to connect with you to learn more? Is it okay if they reach out? Yes, um, I would be so very offended and hurt if they didn't. Um, so many people, I my biggest pet peeve is when people are like, so many people helped me along the way. Like, yeah, sure, homie. Um, who are you kidding yourself? We're all still getting help, right? Like I had, <laughs> I spent a, a, a more time last night than I would care to admit, literally laying on my floor um, on the phone with a friend of mine who's had a much more interesting and much more senior life than I have being like, what am I doing with myself, right? So we all still need help and it's a two-way street, right? Like if you go about it, right? If you reach out to people, right? Um, and please don't use the phrase, pick your brain. Cause that's just, for me, it's a personal pet peeve. Um, if you do it right, it's mutually beneficial, right? Like maybe you get a friend out of it. You know, that's not so bad. Yeah, I think Wesleyan, because of the community that it is, it affords you the opportunity to, to have a lot of cool conversations, yeah. but you need to be prepared to take advantage of those opportunities when you get the chance to sit down or speak with somebody to connect with them. Yeah. Um, well, Maggie, thank you again for the time. Uh, awesome to sit down and chat with you over the phone and good luck with everything you're doing. It seems like you're really hitting your stride and a lot of good things in front of you. So thank you again for the time. I appreciate it. Um, and I'm really excited to hear from lots of other West people who find themselves in DC or somewhere nearby. Yeah, I can personally test my, my peer group, my vintage at Wesleyan. <laughs> a lot of them did go into the DC scene and have stayed and there's a great community there. We're, I've interviewed yeah. a number of people. So definitely encourage you to get involved. Time. It's a good time. So thank you so much for, for having me. Um, and I'm excited to hear the other episodes. Awesome. Thanks, Maggie. Take care. Bye.